Oh, hello there. Welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. Oh, you're new. I'm Stephen Hilger. Charmed, I'm sure. Happy 2023, Stephen. Happy 2023. Is this the first 2023 episode? That we've recorded. That's coming out. That we've recorded, right? Yeah, yeah. I see, I see. Yeah, you're back in Chicago. I'm still in... Uh, New York, New, New York, York City, City. Uh, the Big Apple. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're both. One thing I wanted to shout out: we're both real podcasters now. You were always a real podcaster, and I wasn't. And the reason is that you've always had a Casper mattress, and I just got one. <laughs> <laughs> You've returned to your Casper mattress. I really hate, I love my Casper mattress and I hate that like it was, it just worked. Sometimes like you just feel <laughs> advertisers like take a chunk out of your brain and throw yeah. it at like a profit margin wall. <laughs> uh, and that's what Casper did to me. But they they honestly are, it's not an ad. They're good mattresses. Yeah, we are not sponsored I missed by it. Casper. When I came back, because I, I've, you know, I spent a month in New Jersey at my, at my mom's house and like, my room is this weird collage of distinct eras that don't quite match because like it's not the house I grew up in. It's the house she moved to when I went to college and I never really claimed it. So mm. there's like a map of oblivion, like Cyrodiil. <laughs> there's a Mars Volta poster. Yeah. There's a bunch of Beanie Babies. And then like in my closet is like my stuffed animal from like early childhood, which listening to the Eye of the Duck Toy Story episode really messed me up with that. Uh, and a squatty potty like in the corner. Like, what is this room? So yeah. for multiple reasons, <laughs> comfort of mattress and just like vibes. I'm very glad to be back in my apartment. Yeah. Uh, but it was a nice trip. It was great seeing you and my family and, and everybody. It was totally. We recorded yeah. a bunch of episodes episodes together which was always really fun yeah uh, oh the the immortality spoiler cast is out now which uh it, it wasn't the last time we recorded so that's nice uh it's, yeah it's nice that's for that patrons and just in case you missed it in the opera length literally uh <laughs> game of the year episode we're restructuring the patreon a little bit so uh the dollar tier still gets you every patron bonus we've released up until now the last two episodes that will be available for one dollar patrons are the Immortality spoiler bonus, which, which is out already, and then the upcoming 3DS uh, episode, which we've reached our goal. Thank you to everyone who helped us do that. Um, that, I think we're going to be recording next month, so that will be like the last episode available at that tier, and then going forward, the $5 tier will be all other patron bonuses. Yeah, uh, The amuse-bouche is what it's called, so just wanted to, to say that again in case anyone missed it. Yeah, and if you were already paying at the $1 tier before we made that change, you're grandfathered into that tier, so you still get all the future Patreon bonuses as well, so just a heads up on that. Yeah, I think we were like a little bit iffy about when we were going to record the 3ds bonus and then remembered that the eShop is like closing for real in march uh so we're like oh shit we really need to do this very quickly <laughs> bye bye sell sell yeah. yeah so we're gonna we're gonna try and get that out i think in february um because it closes i think march 20th or 23rd somewhere in that vicinity um so that's the plan is to get it out so you have the entirety of march to listen to it and uh you know take away whatever you want to take away from it but also on that note, we're playing Animal Crossing New Leaf for our bonus this month, uh, which yes. is very fun. As we mentioned in the last episode, you and I are recording an update about Animal Crossing New Leaf every week of this month to be released as one long episode, uh, which will be really fun. Uh, so we're recording that first segment later. But alongside that came a Tumblr blog that we set up. Uh, it's itanewleaf.tumblr.com. The link is in the show notes. Um, but we just like essentially set it up as like, okay, let's see if we can get a bunch of people to get back into Animal Crossing New Leaf again. And, you know, we all just play it for a month and see how that feels and opened up submissions, you know, saying, hey, send us pictures, text, whatever you want. 
Um, just as long as it's an update about your new leaf town, uh, let us know what's going on. And a lot of people have done that already, which has been really cool. So thank yeah. you all so much for that. Thank um, you. Your posts have been very funny. <laughs> yeah, just just to give you a taste of what's there, uh, Tammy the Bear, one of my most vocal and kind of like Helga from Hey Arnold-esque <laughs> villagers, she said, hey, you usually get me, which was kind of like a backhanded compliment. You usually get me. Should I move out of Puddle, which is the name of my town? Uh-huh. And my choices were, don't leave and who are you? <laughs> And I'm like, I, I feel a little bit mean telling this bear to not leave a town that I haven't visited in five months. Um, but saying who are you to should I move is maybe the cruelest thing one can do to another virtual or not. So Tammy's sticking around in puddle for a bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you can come to a more natural conclusion for that relationship in time. Uh, yeah, if she but, asked me in like two weeks, I'd be like, yeah, do your thing. But like, come, I, I was like pulling forgotten weeds <laughs> out of my town and yeah. I wasn't ready for that kind of decision. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Animal Crossing New Leaf, it's a game that I'm enjoying playing again. Uh, it, it's been it's been really great to return to Infinity, which is the name of my town. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Been having a great time and we'll talk about that later. But that's it. That's it. That's all I, I wanted to catch up on. Because we're doing the 3DS bonus next month, you and I have been playing a lot of 3DS stuff. And there's a game that I extremely, extremely wanted to talk about with you because you started playing it this week. And when you told me that you had started playing it this week, I sat down and played through the entire game a second time. <laughs> um, so uh, we're talking about Attack of the Friday Monsters, which is a game by Level 5. You might know as the creators of Professor Layton and Nino Kuni alongside Studio Ghibli and... Also, uh, Millennium Kitchen, which is the developer behind Boku no Natsuyasumi, um, which is known as My Summer Vacation. We've talked about that like kind of on the show, even though it's not available in the United States. But that's a franchise that's existed in Japan for a long time since PlayStation 1 and has gotten a bunch of releases about a kid named Boku who lives who lives in like the main city of Tokyo, but has to go visit his aunt and uncle out in like the wilderness, essentially not the wilderness, but like the countryside of Japan for a summer. And you just kind of choose how you're spending your days on a day to day basis. Um, Yeah, it's kind of like if Eco and Animal Crossing fused in some ways, (laughs) you know, it has that kind of design by subtraction minimalist uh, vibe to it, but also like clearly the precursor to Animal Crossing in a lot of ways. Totally. Yeah. And you, you like in that game, you can just sit in your house for 31 straight days and then that'll be the entire game. Like you can, you can <laughs> you really do choose what you want to do on a day to day basis. You could just spend every single day catching bugs. You could spend every single day just like yelling at the dog that lives outside. Uh, or you could like actually, you know, seize the day, seize the seize the moment. But the other aspect of that is that there have been two games by Millennium Kitchen um, kind of in a similar vein that have been released in the United States. Number one came last year. Um, it was a kind of rebrand refresh of My Summer Vacation um, featuring Shin-Chan, who is uh, Cryon Shin-Chan specifically, who is a, a, an anime character that has existed like for eons and eons and is like just kind of known as being a little shit. Like that's kind of his whole vibe. And it's essentially you playing a My Summer Vacation game as this kid who is like a little twerp, which is really there's like a button that you can press that like he he like shows his ass to camera like that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> it's so it's like nonsensical and changes the vibe of that franchise so intrinsically yeah. just by virtue of him existing. But there's another aspect of it because it's called uh, me and the professor on summer vacation and the professor. I don't want to get too into it because if you are interested in this game at all, it's super worth playing. It's on the switch. I really like it a lot. Um, but there's kind of like a time travel aspect to it um, oh, wow. 
that's fascinating. That pulls a lot from the game that we're talking about today, which is Attack of the Friday Monsters. This was the other game that was released in the States that was uh, on the 3DS. It's like $3 right now. It's eShop only. uh, So you can only get it via uh, the 3DS eShop. There's like no physical copy anywhere. It's actually worth mentioning if you're interested, just before we even get into what the game is, if you're interested in getting anything on the eShop right now, the way you have to do it is you have to link your Nintendo account from your 3DS to the same one that you're using on the Switch and then load up your Nintendo account with money on the Switch and then go to the eShop on the 3DS and use that money to buy games. Like that's that's how you have to do it right now because um, you can't load gift cards into the 3DS and you can't attach a credit card to the 3DS right now. <laughs> So that's what Nintendo has wrought. <laughs> it's you got to laugh at a certain point. Uh, you know, it's it's just uh, it's almost like the HBO merger levels of silliness in terms of. Did you see they didn't renew Looney Tunes? <laughs> Warner Brothers, the Warner Brothers have lost. Didn't renew Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. That's like Disney being like, you know, this whole Mickey thing. We just got to dump who, it. Who you is know? that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Who's who's Mickey? Yeah steamboat who we just want pluto we just want Pl- I, I would actually love a pluto rebrand i think disney needs to own 50 percent. Oh, maybe i shouldn't say this <laughs> <laughs> sorry Walt. uh i'm just saying monopolies aren't great that's that's i'll just say that okay thank you pluto we all um, own looney tunes now exactly public yeah. demand baby attack of the friday monsters tell me why you started playing it tell me how you're feeling about it you're about an hour in uh it's yeah. three hours long it's also worth mentioning it's like pretty short i uh yes i mean i this has been on my backlog for a while i got it uh right when there was the announcement of the 3ds store going down there were a lot of like panicked lists that were released around the internet of like here are the best games for 3ds kind of a version of what we're going to be doing but also like here are the like e-store exclusives that you will likely never be able to get again the things that will be lost forever right yeah and pretty much in all of that like there there are a lot of really interesting uh games in that collection some of them are like truly bizarre and maybe not good yeah uh, i've played a lot of them at this point oh my god um, we didn't talk about pocket card jockey is saved somehow yeah, let's- <laughs> which was one of them we talked about that on last week's episode and literally like the day that episode came out out game freak announced that that game is coming to apple arcade incredible <laughs> i i uh people tagged us on twitter saying like thank you for summoning this and yeah. <laughs> I, another example of of uh unintentional magic at work the aether provides i'm really glad though because that game is honestly like maybe a second uh second to drill dozer in terms of game freak's best non-pokemon games mm. that i've played at least so whatever that means uh, I also think it would it would work well on mobile given just how it plays. Like it's so solitaire. Too. Yeah. It's horse racing. It's it's Pokemon. It's got the Grim Reaper in it. <laughs> it really does. Um, but anyway, one of the games that was on those lists was Attack of the Friday Monsters. And uh, it just looked really up my alley. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get around to playing it uh, until now. One thing that kind of piqued my interest. I think I bought a lot of things at once. So like mm-hmm. a lot of them just sort of like sat on the shelf figuratively speaking yeah there was that very lovely video from tim rogers about my summer vacation that like sort of indirectly mentioned uh, attack of the friday monsters i didn't know it was the same developer Mm. and also just like coming back home after a week at home for the holidays and just like where your mind is at 
at that time, I, I think I was like, I think this will be good to play right now. This mm-hmm. is like a kind of calming experience. Um, and I really love it. I think the first thing I messaged you when I started it was like every lo-fi playlist on YouTube owes their life to the look of this game. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of the, and this is the same for my summer vacation, but a lot of the, the way the, the map is kind of designed is, is like kind of <laughs> similar to Resident Evil, weirdly, like fixed camera angles that will, you know, sort of like show a specific angle of the town. And then when you go to a new corner of the map, you'll be in a new area with a new perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are just really breathtaking. Like it has yeah. that kind of very kind of Ghibli inspired look of like a small town in sort of a rural area. Yeah. But this is another game that uses the 3D really well, which I wouldn't have expected. It really does. I played the whole yeah. game in 3D this time, which yeah. I, which was wild um, because some of some of the angles, like one of the one of the ones that I'm always thinking about is um, when you go into kind of like the center of town which allows you to like I leave the town essentially if you wanted to you get this shot that goes downtown so you can kind of see like the entirety of it all in one uh, all, all in one shot and right in the front like in the foreground is the top of a telephone pole so like the camera is fixed like right behind the top of this telephone pole so you have all these wires and stuff kind of going across the town and that looks amazing in 3d yeah it gives it it gives like depth to the scene and also it adds to the like it works fine in 2d but this is also the kind of game where i think you're gonna sit with moments like there just might be an angle or a part of the town that really strikes you visually yeah and you might just like let that sit for a second i did a lot this time yeah basically the premise of the game is you're this kid and uh, your parents work at a laundromat and you're given like a very mundane errand to run and i think the game kind of knows that you'll probably get lost and talk to like everyone else and kind of just explore the town and, and run into things yeah. and I think the game is designed to aid your curiosity because there's sort of like you know you're given points on the map to go to and talk to people and that will advance the story but if you go anywhere else, you'll begin other stories and other chapters. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit, I haven't gotten to like the full reveal of this yet, but there's a little bit of magic realism because everyone keeps mentioning on Friday, the monsters come out basically. Right. Yeah. And there's also like a TV station nearby in the town and, and the game begins with like a little anecdote about like the history of, of like kaiju and monster shows and then sort of like um, the hero shows where there would be like, you know, superheroes that fight these monsters. Right. So it's like not clear how much of this is like kind of from a kid's perspective or not. But then I got to a part of the map where there's just this giant footprint in the dirt. And, you know, people are, are the mean kid is hanging out by the footprint. And he's like, you can't get past here. <laughs> so it does a really great job of like gating certain things. So you're, you're not going to like have no sense of progress, but like it does aid your curiosity. And, and all the dialogue is so wonderful. Like you get such a strong sense of character from everybody like and you'll see little parts of people's lives as you explore it really does feel like it's from a kid's point of view that's sort of my neighbor totoro vibe where there's a sort of this like kind of weirdly sad but like magical feeling and and an openness to the day where there's not really any set structure so the whole day is just imagination and perception yeah uh and that's like the two running factors of this game it's, yeah. it's really miraculous the whole game takes place on one day on a friday um so like 
the game opens with you uh, waking up, going downstairs and talking to your mom and dad and then being given this errand to run, which is just to return somebody's clothes to them. Uh, it's like the the person who runs the bakery down the street. And as you said, you very quickly kind of deviate from that. But you're, you're totally right about the feeling like a little kid as you're running around, because e- even just the interactions that you have with these people, like I, I'm thinking in particular, there's there's a cop who's standing guard over uh, a, a train crossing and if you talk to enough people over time, you find out that the the lift or like the the bar that comes down when there's a train coming actually never goes up. You actually just can't leave that way because there are so many trains going by at all times <laughs> that it's always down. So he's essentially guarding nothing. And if you talk to the adults, you kind of get the sense that like they kind of look down on this guy because his job is to like do nothing. Pretty much. He just like stands watch over a thing that doesn't need anyone's attention. Um, but you as uh, Soto is the name of the main character. You as Soto, whenever you go talk to him, he immediately like goes and stands and salutes the guy before he says anything to him. Which yeah, is you so salute funny. each other. I yeah. love that. And, and yeah. then the guy will salute back because I think he's just like happy to have something to do. It's so silly. It's really good. Have you gotten to the card game at all? So, yeah. So there's a card game amongst like the other group of kids. I love that the nerd is named A+. I'm like, yes. this This is a compliment, but like I would hate if my nickname was A+. And he A+. does. He doesn't like it either. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't like it either. You can collect like shining balls of light scattered around the map. And if you get enough of like one, like it will say like a Mesozoic mosquito glyph, I think they're called. Glim. Glim. Yeah. If you get enough of those, you'll get a card basically. So I'm like pretty close to a couple, but I haven't gotten a full card yet. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, so once you start to build up a collection of cards, which essentially that that's the game's way of saying like, just go run around and just like go be a kid in yeah, exactly. space and like poke at the edges and see what you can find. Um, you'll eventually get enough glim to get a, a full deck of cards, which is five. You need five cards to like be able to play this game, which is just called monster cards and monster cards is pretty much rocks, paper, scissors, but as a card game, which is really fun. <laughs> so the way it works is you put down your five cards in whatever order you want. And then your opponent will put down five cards as well. And the game will reveal how many you're winning, how many you're losing, and how many you, you get a draw on. And then whoever is winning the most at that point gets the opportunity to swap two of their cards. None of them have turned over yet, so you don't actually know who's played what where. So it's kind of a guessing game. It's kind of a little bit of like a um, that that like probability problem of like door number one and door number two. If they give you the option to switch, you should that kind of thing. Um, but in in the game of rocks, paper, scissors. So you do that. You swap two cards and then the person who's losing gets to swap two cards based on that. And then you reveal all of them and see who won and who loses. And depending on who wins, if you win, you become the boss of that person, which means you can cast a magic spell, which is just like a bunch of words that mean nothing. And they have to fall down. And they have to fall down. And then they and then they get up. And when they get up, if you're the boss of this person, as Soto, uh, sometimes they'll like reveal hints or secrets as to places you can go or things you can do. Or like if there's, you know, a mission that you're stuck on or something, sometimes if you're the boss of somebody else and you talk to them, they'll reveal some information to you. But if they're the boss of you, they won't. And they'll just cast a spell on you and then you have to fall over, uh, <laughs> which is super funny. But what what is really interesting about this game, and I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about it a little bit more, maybe... Maybe we'll talk about it in the next episode if you finish it, or maybe we'll just talk about it in the 3DS bonus because I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is looking back at it when it's done and kind of kind of like immortality in a way, asking yourself, like, what does this all mean? Like, why is this all here? Like, is this all just supposed to be like a fun, goofy time or is this representative of something larger? And I think it's a little bit the latter. And I think you could get it a little bit even in the beginning, because to me, 
like one of the first things that that Soto notes uh, as soon as you start the game is like his mom and dad don't have a great relationship with one another because his dad runs this laundromat and his mom is like, you could have been so much more essentially is like, you know, when we first met, you were this like, you know, aspiring person who had all these dreams and wishes and like it didn't work out. And now here we are. Um, So she has a little bit of like a, a pebble in her shoe about being in this town specifically and the dad definitely has a lot of guilt about that and soto is like i like it here you know he's like yeah. this is a great life we have a cool life you know we get to run around and like talk to people and we're all friends in the town and and there's so many cool interesting people to meet which is very interesting yeah the narrator describes the dad as like uh you know he's he's like a wonderful person but he doesn't think highly of himself like i wonder why yeah or something like that and then like i think it says of the mom like she always says the right things in the worst way possible yes. like something akin to that uh which you know it has that like blunt honesty of a child but without a full understanding of the world which i think is is a fun and it's not soto narrating it's another character which is interesting yeah the other thing too that stands out is like the factory in the distance kind of just like Mm -hmm. visibly polluting the air and also the intro saying that like the monsters and you know kaiju and those types of shows were were a not so subtle allegory for like pollution and environmental collapse and also just other horrors kind of from the outside world or or man-made horrors in some way. And I think that it's not a coincidence that the monsters in the game show up when the factories are like going overtime on Friday. Mm -hmm. So I do wonder if like, it's not quite as like dour as like a Pan's Labyrinth thing, but there is a little (laughs) bit of like, how does a child's imagination view like a danger this big, you know, like, because I think there's sort of an implicit trust when you're a kid that the world is like, okay, and you want to connect with it. Yeah. And then things get in the way of that as we get older. And I think like, you know, this seemingly idyllic town, which it's weird that it's idyllic because again, there's all these like marital problems happening. And like, (laughs) there are all these, you know, kind of like kids. Yeah. Right. They're like rocket town adjacent vibes here (laughs) and, uh, and the mean kids, but like, you know, it's just the, I think it's the quiet moments and it's the, it's the freedom that makes it feel so magical. And also like one's own perception can really change things in a, in a, in a meaningful way. You know, even just thinking about like, you know, this, this seemingly unstoppable force of pollution is Mm man-made. Therefore a person could stop it theoretically. Right. And that's when the heroes come in. So it's not quite as ham-fisted as that, but I think that that stood out to me as like, something kind of lingering thematically. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're, I think you're on the money and I think you'll appreciate where the game goes based on that assumption at least. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly replaying this game just kind of made me upset again that Boku no Natsu Yasumi isn't, localized and is available here because I yeah. what I like about this game again it's really cheap I think at most ever when it came out it was eight dollars and I think like it's somewhere close to three now the e-shop is closing they've just kind of discounted everything but what I like about it as kind of a a cheaper version of of my summer vacation is you know you get a little bit of a glimpse into why that game is so popular and why that franchise has existed for so long because just running or as you said just running around and like stopping and standing and like listening to crickets and the babbling brook and the wind and stuff is like enough you know that's enough to get you sucked into a place the only real other avenue you have to explore and interact with the town is talking to people or collecting glim and playing monster cards whereas in my summer vacation there's a lot more freedom there right you have 31 days to go catch fish catch bugs 
talk to the kids, play cards with them, things like that. Like you, you have just a huge array of things you can do in those games that you can't in, in this game. Um, but I do like the focus of this one. And I think using that focus to make a more pointed statement is a really interesting idea. Whereas that game, from what I know, at least especially the first one, but what I've heard the subsequent ones do as well. They cover a lot of narrative ground. They cover a lot of interesting themes because it's not just supposed to be like, aren't we all nostalgic about when we were a kid and got to go play in the woods? But is like, similarly, there's like a, a kind of undercurrent of, of darkness and not, not even darkness, just like reality. I think yeah. lingering under the surface, the best media that's kind of made for a general audience or for kids recognizes that. Like I think all yeah. the studio Ghibli stuff does. And also something like, Calvin and Hobbes like there is that kind of like you know dash of existentialism to it where like yeah a lot of kids are wondering like why am I here you know like <laughs> why am I alive and that's what we're all thinking on yeah. some level but like because kids don't have a lot of responsibility like they really are for better and for worse given more time to think those things yeah and that leads to a lot of imagination and also potentially a lot of sadness that they don't maybe have the language to tackle yeah i think it's why it's important that there are these things that exist to make you know people that age or, or any age feel less isolated yeah totally i do wonder if calvin and Hobbes was an influence in this um even the art style is, has a little bit of calvin-esque yeah. vibes to it yeah right uh, one thing that I learned looking this game up, uh, just because I was curious how much of a production history there was and there kind of isn't that much of one. Um, but that said, there is this interesting collective of of developers that all came together alongside Level 5. Uh, Level 5 picked a bunch of developers that they liked, like game designers who had done like really cool stuff and released a bunch of games for the 3DS. Uh, the first collection was called Guild 01, and it was uh, a bunch of people who who made um, uh, just like small projects led by level five. So kind of just like picking up cool developers to release some stuff. And then Guild 2 was where Attack of the Friday Monsters came in with people like uh, Kaiji Inafune and Kazayabe who made this game. But apparently this was just like part of this collection of like level five trying a bunch of things on the 3DS, which made them like really prolific because they were already yeah. releasing a ton of stuff on the 3DS. I mean, level five had more latent stuff. They had Fantasy Life. They had all of these games. They had Yokai Watch, like all of those games. Yeah. Um, and then also on the side, we're doing all these little experiments, which is really pretty wild. They, they were they were releasing a ton of stuff. Yeah, the there's era. another uh, there's another collaboration with Suda 5.1 called Liberation Maiden with level five. That's like unhinged. It's completely bizarre. Yeah, it's basically like an arcadey uh, like you basically like pilot a mech and sort of like not on the rails, but similar to Star Fox, like fight a bunch of things. But mm -hmm. like you're also like the president and a teenage girl. It's very weird. But uh, wow. I did play it and it does exist. That's all I'll say about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll check it out. It looks like it was released on iOS. Oh no, only in Japan. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. see. I'll maybe pick. It's it up. pretty fun. It's really short, and like it's it's one of those things where it's like it's cool that they got this running on the 3DS, and I had fun with it, but yeah, I wouldn't really say much more past. Oh, that. this was part of Guild 01 actually yeah that's the, i think yeah, that's okay, cool. that's the connection i made yeah yeah, yeah yeah interesting nice yeah it's pretty fun i would, I would it's also like a dollar i think so okay I'll, ch I'll check yeah. it out yeah, it's, yeah. It, that seems silly that's attack of the friday monsters it's i think one of the cooler more interesting games on the 3ds that i've been playing at least in terms of absolutely the, in terms of the the things that i hadn't played before we started preparing for this bonus it stands out and is really wonderful Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think like even before we have our 3DS discussion on the horizon, if I could say like, what are the things you just like have to get like as a person before mm -hmm. that store goes down, like get this, like do yourself a favor and just have this available somewhere. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it feels to me 
I don't, I don't know if you have this, but there are certain pieces of media that I, I find myself revisiting a lot throughout the years. One of the ones I, I think about uh, a lot is Superman's Secret Identity, which is this Superman book so to read it. about a kid named Clark Kent in Kansas. Uh, and his parents named, you know, his parents named him Clark. His last name is Kent. He gets like Superman stuff for his birthday every year. And it's like, this sucks. I wish that wasn't like <laughs> this. And uh, one day, I think he's like 13 or something. Uh, he gets a bunch of Superman stuff for his birthday. And he's like, fuck this. I'm out. And and just like kind of leaves and takes a bunch of camping equipment with him and his dog. And he goes out into the woods. And he's like, I'm just going to go like camping in the woods by myself. And so I'm going to spend my birthday because I'm so sick of all these Superman connections in my life. And he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's like 30 feet off the ground. And he's like, ah, shit, I'm Superman. <laughs> um, and the rest Whoops. of the book is his whole life, essentially. From that point yeah. on, it's like, well, now that I have the powers of Superman, what what is my life like? And that's a book I reread every like two years, I'd say. And every time I read it i come away with something new and i weirdly feel like attack of the friday monster is going to become that for me yeah i mean i feel that way about a lot of games i think like ocarina of time is one of them which i think we mm. might talk about today maybe uh, maybe whoops <laughs> um i feel like eco is going to become that for me as well oh yeah i think going back to the personas is also just like a great time uh i think any game that has that kind of sense of place or ritual mm-hmm. i return to but yeah i mean i think like i think i've seen porco rosso at least 20 times at this point in my life. So that is a movie I rewatch quite a bit. And uh, yeah, I think, I think it's nice to have media. That's like, I I know I'm going to like return to this, but it's not like something I put on the background and something that I'm actually like engaging with over time. Yeah. Uh, It's important to have that. Yeah, I agree. And with that, let's take a break. (laughs) (laughs) Bye bye. All right. Enough talking about nothing. Let's talk about Ew, imagine games. if that was the we're trying to take a break, just like staring, like matching each other, like it's a first <laughs> improv class. I saw um I saw Drunk Shakespeare yesterday. Do you know about Drunk Shakespeare? Uh vaguely, yeah. I know I know improvised Shakespeare, but I haven't seen Drunk Shakespeare. It's literally like a crew of five people do Macbeth, but before it starts, they pick out of a hat one of the actors has to do five shots of something. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and then throughout the performance, they like elect someone from the audience to like ring a bell if they think that person should take another shot or not. Wow. Um, and uh, it was pretty wild. But the, th- the thing, our takeaway from it afterwards when we were leaving was like, that's more improv than Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They did like they knew the lines. They knew how to do Macbeth. And every once in a while, you would see them get like really into a monologue or something. It's like, oh, my God, this is like actually good Shakespeare. But for the most part, it's a lot of improv, which. Honestly, it was fun. They have it in Chicago. Maybe check yeah, it out. Yeah, th- that sounds like a very Chicago show. Yeah, honestly. it's definitely like touristy, but it was yeah. fun enough that I, I had. That's kind of how Im- improvised Shakespeare is a very similar thing. But like that cast are able to improvise like Shakespearean soliloquies and then just do a, a made up show. Like it's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Weirdly, a good lead into the game you're talking about. <laughs> Actually, no, some say the it. Shakespeare of interactive fiction. Uh, you <laughs> guessed it. I'm playing another Fire Emblem game. This time, Path of Radiance for the GameCube. The Nintendo GameCube. Am I playing it on the GameCube? I'll never tell you. <laughs> I'll just say where I'm playing it rhymes with Steam Deck. Um, anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh this game is is 
one I've been wanting to play for a very long time. Those who listen to the show know that we're both big Fire Emblem fans. I got into the series through Awakening uh, and really, really loved Awakening. I played the Fates games, so thought they were kind of fun. Not on the same level as Awakening, but you know, they were they were kind of like uh, the VHS sequel to Awakening, where I'm like, oh, I'll bite. Like this is fine. And then Three Houses came out and uh, gave us meaning, I think, <laughs> as just as people. Yeah. And uh, so my my like, I feel like amongst Fire Emblem fans, there are many many divides which is kind of ironic given the storylines in those games yeah. but uh you know there are people who who got into the series like pre-awakening where it was like way more tactics focused mm-hmm. maybe different narrative styles and then there's like the post-awakening fans and now i think there's the three houses fans so i think there's like another yeah. kind of entry point yeah you're telling me there's three houses now <laughs> wow even more apt the radiant rabbits <laughs> The Three Musketeers uh-huh. and the uh, the Awakening. There you go. <laughs> Those are the three houses. But yeah, Path of Radiance is for the GameCube. So this came out like in the time where Fire Emblem hadn't really taken off in the West to the same degree as like other Nintendo first party games, which are a pretty absurd standard. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> Any other game selling like 7 million units is like stop we everything. Yeah. We got a party and Nintendo's like, uh, you'll, you'll live for another day. <laughs> You know, but uh, Fire Emblem, you know, Awakening was was kind of a special game because publicly it's been said that the developers and, and the team behind Fire Emblem were basically given like this is maybe the last game. Yeah. So like there's a game created out it. of an ultimatum. Yeah, right. It's like, OK, maybe like this might be like our swan song. So let's just do like the hits basically and by doing the hits they made one of the best Fire Emblem games in my opinion yeah. the second best one in my opinion uh and it totally revitalized the series and thank god because then we got three houses mm-hmm. and and you know i think there's a long line of Fire Emblem games ahead of us that i'm excited about but path of radiance is often in, in a lot of lists uh, a lot of lists i see and there's a lot of discussions i see path of radiance and radiant dawn on the wii a lot like for you know what is like considered the best fire emblem game what's your favorite fire emblem game yeah and i'm only like an hour in so this is definitely a case where i'll probably bring it to the show again once i'm further into the game but uh it's really cool it's really interesting because just visually it's very different from the rest of them like the character design is akin to the game boy advance games and like the way mm. the dialogue is shown has that kind of like like community theater Game Boy Advance style where they like yeah. stand on the edges and like, hello, I'm the prince. Hello, I'm the archer. <laughs> like arms to their sides. Yeah. <laughs> but the actual, because it's a GameCube game, the the actual like player character, the characters on the grid. And when you see battles, it has a very like Tekken 2 vibe going on, which I really like. Mm. And I don't know, I don't, it makes me laugh, but when the characters move, they kind of like strut. Like all of them have like this like fun strut when they go from place to place. But uh, it's, it's a really interesting, like, I, I can't quite place it, which I think is, which is, you know, what's kind of most intriguing to me. Because I think that like getting the vocabulary for sort of the Game Boy Advance era of Fire Emblem games, like Blazing Blade and then Sacred Stones. Like I have a word in my head for this era of Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, everything after Awakening, while they're all really different, they they also like kind of adhere to a certain mold. And this really does feel like more like the Game Boy Advance ones. But I think there's like a, a stronger narrative focus. And I don't know how much of that is me grasping at straws because I'm still very early 
early on and like there hasn't been like a call to action yet i'm still very much in the anna is explaining to me how movement works phase of the game <laughs> yeah but like just the way like the the pacing of the plot and the focus on the plot makes me feel like this will be a very narratively driven fire emblem game mm. uh in a way that maybe is is distinct amongst the rest because usually the story is like engaging but is sort of there to drive you from point to point and then in three houses the story is mostly character focused so i'm just wondering where this is going to go yeah. and and uh it's been really cool so far this is the one with ike in it in case you needed some something to ground you in what this game is but uh i'm having fun with it i definitely can see why the series didn't really take off in the west for a while because this isn't really a good one to start with like they do tutorialize a lot of things but if i didn't really have knowledge of how the game worked already i think i would find it overwhelming or like mm. just not like super intuitive but it's it's i'm struggling because i don't have enough of the game yet to say like this is like what i'm really loving about it i'm, I'm just happy to be playing another fire Emblem game <laughs> uh but it is cool to see like the gamecube interpretation of what like blazing blade was doing on the game boy events yeah i'm looking at screenshots of it right now and it really does look a lot like what if we took exactly what we did on the game boy and just put it on the gamecube um, yeah which for all intents and purposes, like should be pretty good, honestly. Yeah. Like I, I'm interested in that. And and to hear that it's more narrative focused, I'm actually interested in that as well. I have this also on my console that runs a Steam Deck and I haven't started <laughs> playing it yet, but I'm excited to. And honestly, the, the more I'm looking into it, the more interesting it looks to me. But also Fire Emblem Engage comes out really soon. So yeah. Maybe maybe I should choose your poison. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah this this will be like a little a nice little uh, tasting course for you to lead into engage, which probably has people from this game in it. If I was to guess, yeah, I imagine so because this is this is a widely beloved one amongst the fans. Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, I have a feeling there's gonna be a time skip because right now Ike like sucks and everyone makes fun of him and like says like <laughs> you're not ready, which is because all I know him is from Smash where he's like. Argh! you know like yeah. constantly like slamming his sword and he's brawly from DBZ. yeah yeah so <laughs> i feel like there's gonna be like a big moment or like a big reveal or something like that. i i can just feel that coming which i think is probably why i think this might be a more narratively driven one mm. um there haven't been supports yet from what i can see i don't know if they're in this game or not so like if you're curious about checking it out, I think I'm going to hold off saying like who I think it's for. because I, I, I definitely need to play more of it. But uh, this is more just a I am playing this game announcement and I'm sure it will come up again. Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited to see like why it's so high on so many people's uh, Fire Emblem lists. Yeah. I'm really interested in it now that the more I'm looking into it. Um, yeah. I, I might I might prioritize this a little bit. But again, with Engage coming soon, honestly, the Engage somebody somebody asked in the discord recently, like why why we haven't been talking about engage in the lead up to it and i think you and i i think we might have talked about it in last week's episode i don't even remember we either talked about it in person or on the episode it was recorded or it wasn't i'm not really sure so <laughs> forgive me if i'm repeating myself but i think you and i were a little bit disillusioned by a lot of the the lead up and marketing material for it specifically the thing that turned me i was like pretty much on board with it i maybe a hot take i actually really like the way it looks like i think visually it's really striking but the thing that really turned me off of it was the game awards announcement where it was like instead of me finally under understanding what Fire Emblem Engage is going to be. They just announced day one DLC. Yeah, it was Javik. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and they was, gave us Javik. I was like, I don't even know what the game is yet. Why would yeah. I be paying extra for it? <laughs> but, That's um, the thing. Yeah, I, I, I just really, not to be contrarian, I just don't like the look of it at all. And like, interesting. I, uh, yeah. I, like, you know, and I'm open to enjoying it. I just think like, 
three houses kind of summed up like what I like. And like, I like the tactics games, you know, I, I like the older ones, but I think three houses was like really like, Oh, this is what I've secretly always wanted sort of mm-hmm. thing. And I'm open to seeing what engage is doing differently. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to pit them against each other. It's hard not to given yeah. we just had, you know, three hopes and that's like the last entry. And also these were in development around the same time from what we know. So a lot of the reviews I've read of engage definitely, it, it feels intentional that like they were going after different things. And I yeah. wonder if we're going to see like a concrete split in the series in some way where there might be like, here's like the more like you're here for the tactics kind of like sort of like how SMT and Persona are technically the same battle system. But mm. SMT is all about just the mechanics and Persona is all about the narrative and, and the characters. I wonder if we'll see that in Fire Emblem as well, where like yeah. every now and then there's an entry that's like, this is just for people who like maps. <laughs> Which I do. I love maps. And this is for the people that like want a three X structure and mm-hmm. want to see people change over time. Yeah, I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see. Um, I, I do feel myself kind of weirdly enough. I mean, b- based on our history with the friend or my history with the franchise specifically, but coming into it and really loving three houses and then going back to Awakening, which I, I would say like strikes a pretty good balance between narrative and tactics, but leans more tactics heavy, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Um, I've been kind of like itching for a more tactics heavy Fire Emblem game ever since then. And and Engage being that I think is exciting to me. I think there's a huge place for a more tactics heavy Fire Emblem game that is easier to get into. So yeah. that's what I'm hoping that Engage totally. is. Yeah, I think, especially with the 3DS eShop closing down forever right, so you can't get right. Awakening. Right. And even Awakening, like it's approachable in the sense that like, I think the way they divide it up is helpful because I think the earlier farm games, there's not like that distinct planning phase and then the battles. It's just all on the map. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you'll visit a house and a villager is like, if you use potions well, you'll have more health. And then, you know, <laughs> now you know that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what it is. I, I think uh, this is... <laughs> I know we're not beholden to anything here in the Aether, but this is the first time where I I felt a little bit like eyes on me where I'm like, I feel like people are going to want to know what we think about Fire Emblem and Game. I've been told that directly. Like, you know, people, I have friends who are also kind of on the fence and they're like, cards on the table. I've been waiting to hear what you think about it. So (laughs) I'll, I'll say out loud into a microphone and onto an MP3 file that I'm going to get it when it comes out because the, the, it, I really like the way it looks. And the previews have been glowing. Even the people who like were iffy about it in the previews were like, it's I still can't stop playing it. Uh, so yeah. that's enough for me to give it a shot. I, I think I think I'm going to check it out. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll try. I think it's I would regret not having a take on this one. Uh, <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's nice not having one. Sometimes you got to have one. And this is yeah. the case where I got to have one. But anyway, Fire Emblem. I'm going to play Path of Radiance. I'm gonna, you should. I'm gonna get, it's get a. It. It's a lot of fun. The music is also great. It's like a, a really good switch. Most most of the Fire games have pretty good music, but this one st- stands out to me. Although <laughs> when it's the enemy's turn, they kind of give them like a minor key Muppet show theme, which always makes me laugh. It's like it's great. Oh, look, it's just my turn. I'm going to strike you down. I've got a sword and shield and I'm not a clown. Now it's my turn. Anyway. It's interesting. I mean, just I'm I'm just looking at like screenshots of a lot of Fire Emblem games right now, and and one of the things that I would say is weirdly a a an aesthetic piece of this game is kind of a more muted like medieval color palette. Yeah. And I wonder if 
the fact that engage is so vibrant and is so colorful is is the thing that's turning you off on it like it it is like strikingly saturated that game yeah i i don't know if it's this i, I think it's more the character design than like the colors like i, I don't mind uh it, it just it looks a little bit like i like the way genshin impact looks but it looks like they're trying to make fire emblem kind of more genshin looking hmm. and that process has landed at a point that i don't like <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. If that makes sense i think yeah. genshin looks great for like the art style it's going for i do think the the protagonist of that new game looks completely like unhooked from reality in a way that i, <laughs> I can't get over and the idea of playing as that person for however many hours like 100 hours is really that'll, that'll be a test of patience but everything else I, I'm, I'm enjoying yeah but anyway I, I, I wait we'll wait and see I, I will be happy to uh to give that game a glowing review if i like it yeah that's yeah. in a couple weeks so i, I guess look for that at the end of the month cool well that's fine do you want to take one more break yeah let's take a break let's uh hope ike gets stronger and uh meet up in five years at the at the monastery mm, i like ike <laughs> <laughs> i like him i yeah. don't think i'm gonna leave him I don't, I don't think he needs to change the the <laughs> gerald character because there's always like you know in fire emblem, fire emblem games there's usually a character that's like there to help you in the beginning because everyone else is like a teen that was handed an axe <laughs> and there's someone who's like i'm actually a war general let me let me make sure no one here gets killed yeah uh frederick is is that in awakening but uh the version of that in path of radiance is this woman named titania who's awesome mm. she has a horse and an axe great combo well yeah is uh is frederick the one that nobody can see ever he, that's Callum. Oh, Kellum, Ke- yeah. Fred- Frederick is pick a god and pray. Which oh, is the yes, best, yes, yes, yes. That's the best line spoken in Fire Emblem. Yeah. Callum is a, they saw me. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend, my friend Ryan, if you're listening, hello. Uh, we like really bonded over Awakening when it came out. And every, every like six months, I'll text him, they saw me. And usually he, <laughs> for the last few, he hasn't responded. So this is like three, they saw me. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> in a row like months apart it's so scary like we should just like talk on the phone one day we gotta cut this out <laughs> yeah that's so funny so anyway uh, let's take, well, take a small take a break. break text ryan they saw me they saw and, me uh we'll come back and talk about more video games bye 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 and we're back hello in the show i was just thinking while we we're taking a break i i feel like we're due for another nintendo direct soon yeah i'm like why why am I not looking to the future? Why yeah. is there no tomorrow? Oh, <laughs> I mean, we're so close hypothetically to Tears of the Kingdom in a way that makes me think we have to be getting some kind of Nintendo Direct focused on that. Four months away. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Um, I also I have a feeling we're going to know if there's going to be a, a switch upgrade or, or a new console. I wonder if we'll we'll hear it this month. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I've kind of it's interesting because I feel like I've been I've been banging the drum of last year was the software focused year. So this year can be a hardware focused year. So they could say to investors, we don't need to upgrade the switch because our software is so good that that's not necessary. And then this year be like, haha, fuckers, we updated the hardware anyway. Like, look at how great we are. So you get like kind of a double boost. So I've, I could see that happening in some respect. Um, but also there were leaks that seemed like pretty confirmed that there's an oled version of the switch coming out in conjunction with tears of the kingdom it's like a tears of the kingdom branded oled switch which Uh. makes me think like well that'd be a weird thing to release if you were also going to launch a new switch (laughs) you know yeah but that's also a very nintendo that'd be a very nintendo move to be like here's a yeah tears of the kingdom focused oled switch three weeks later here's the new switch (laughs) yeah i mean that kind of happened with the new 3ds and switch 
right? Yeah. Like, or they were around um, the same time. Yeah, I forget what it was. And then also, like, as, as we talked about a lot, like the Game Boy Advance and Nintendo DS existing at the same time for a couple of years, like weird Nintendo's bizarre. You can you can never you can never predict what they're going to do ever, really. But there are a yeah. couple things that are just kind of like lingering in the air that feel like they have to happen. Like there have been enough rumors about the Wind Waker and Twilight Princess thing that I feel like that's got to be coming at some point soon. Yeah, um, like enough enough different people who all have really good track records on reporting this kind of stuff have said like it exists. I just don't know when it's coming out that it feels like that's got to be coming soon. Same thing with the Metroid prime one remake. Like yeah. that, that's just been kind of like hanging in the air for a long time. I feel like for the wind waker and Todd princess HD ports, I feel like if, if those exist and we're going to get them, we'll hear about soon. that this month. Cause that's yeah. like, Hey, tears of the kingdoms four months away in the meantime, here's, you know, but again, that makes sense. And this is also Nintendo. So there's really, it's a fool's errand. Yeah. We could, we could talk about what could happen all day. Yeah. It is It is the Zelda anniversary still. We're in that, I think, whatever it is, 30th or 25th or something, <laughs> the anniversary of Zelda. So I don't know. I, I could see that happening. It would be a big year for that. Uh, I saw on Daniel Dwyer's Twitter uh, that this is also the year of Luigi again. Oh, my God. It's been 10 years since the year of Luigi. So it's technically the 40th anniversary of Luigi now. Uh, I want to start using year of Luigi as a Mercury and retrograde stand in. Like someone's <laughs> like, ah, oh, nothing goes my way today. It's like, oh, you're Luigi. You're Luigi. Yeah, what are you going to do? Luigi. You're the pest uh that's a deep cut rabbits reference i do think 2023 is such like a disgusting year like 2023 i don't like saying it i don't like thinking about it i don't like writing it like it doesn't feel good. i mean it sounds like a 80s comic book writer thinking about the future yeah they would pick 2023 as like in the year 2023 the president is a machine you know <laughs> i need more wires he screamed <laughs> <laughs> more wires, more wires, more wires, more power. There was never enough, but there was always a want. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's a gross sounding here, but I, I, I love this kind of like post holiday sort of like lingering seasonal depression, but just kind of, mm -hmm. I, I like that this, this sort of this vacuous safe space in the year of like, okay, like let's just like figure out what our intentions are for, yeah. for this year, at least on, a, on an individual level. Yeah. Uh, I love resolutions. I love plans. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> the, the death cab album and making them. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I like I like this time of year. I mean, as we talked about in the last episode, but I like this time of year specifically because it's like literally the only quiet time of year for video game releases also at this point. Like, yeah. So you can play Path of Radiance. You can play Path of Radiance. You yeah. can play Ocarina of Time 3D on Nintendo 3DS. Uh, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of room to do whatever you want. But I just feel like there we had set times of year where things came out always. Right. It would be like kind of mid to late spring going into the summer summer would be a dearth there'd be nothing in summer for a long time and then like leading up into the holidays october november somewhere in there there would be like a bunch of stuff um but now now like jury's out like every time of year except for like the first three weeks of january is packed with shit so look forward to new games soon i guess but for now i'm playing ocarina of time 3d on the Nintendo yeah 3DS. is this your first time playing it this is okay. So here's the thing about Ocarina of Time is I've sat down to start playing it many, many times and I never I could never tell you how far in I had gotten 
now I can pretty definitively tell you the furthest I've ever gotten in is like maybe an hour and a half. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. So are you on uh, the Deku tree still? No, no, no. I'm past that. Like at this okay. point, I'm I'm past that. Uh, but I I recognize the point that I had made it to as I ran by it this time because I always thought to myself like, oh, I, I made it kind of far into that game. Like I've seen some of it. I kind of know what's going on here. I saw none of that game. <laughs> I've never. So. For those of you who know Ocarina of Time, forgive me, because I'm sure it's like deeply ingrained in not your frontal lobe, whatever that one that stores uh, habits is. Uh, yeah, it's like, in my habitual it's lobe. in the cortex. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I the, the way that game starts is like you wake up, you get a fairy, you uh, need to figure out how to get a sword and shield. So you're allowed to go talk to the great Deku tree who then is like, I'm going to open up my mouth and I need you to climb inside a little bit of like a, a vor scenario as you go in and clear out. Um <laughs> A big scary boss. It's a weird. It's a pretty powerful opening. I feel like a lot of a lot of people around our age were were uh, not traumatized, but that like <laughs> that struck a a nerve spiritually. The Deku Tree opening. It, yeah. it's very powerful. It's yeah. darker than you think, and it also because it has this like you're you're waking up. You know, it, it's uh, the Kokiri, right? Are the, are the name of the yeah? They're sort of like um, there has to be a Peter Pan influence because they're kind of like the Lost Boys that never grow up. Totally. Um, yeah. And Link is the only Kokiri without a fairy, right? And there's this really. I remember there's this shot that I always forget until I replay of like Link unable to sleep in like a dark room by uh -huh. himself. Uh, yeah. And He's shivering. Yeah, there's there's a lot. I think you know the the games post Ocarina have have. I struggle to say rich narratives because like Zelda isn't necessarily known for like dialogue or like you know uh, direct storytelling, but mm -hmm. I feel like Ocarina is so rich thematically and just emotionally like the vibe of it is so personal yeah. in a way that like really other Zeldas aren't like to the same degree. Like Majora's Mask is in kind of a surreal way, but Ocarina really does touch like what growing up feels like kind of mm -hmm. going back to attack of the Friday monsters. It's, it's something that I kind of connect to every time I replay it, which is that's a game that I always go back to for sure. Yeah. I, th I think there's this interesting dichotomy that I, I had never seen because this is as far as I'd ever made it. But, um, between like you're the Kokiri or, you know, you're in the Kokiri forest, you go into the Deku tree, you fight, you know, make your way through that first temple, which is great introductory temple i think it is as far as like tutorializing things without especially really considering this is the first 3d zelda i think they do a great job like interpreting a zelda dungeon in a 3d space yeah you know yeah and and they don't they don't need to really hit you with a lot of hints and clues as to how the game works mechanically which i i appreciate i know they tone down a lot of the navi stuff navi is the is the fairy that you get uh, who who yells hey listen who you've definitely heard in 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 media before dear listener but um i know they've toned down a lot of what navi like chimes in and tells you in this game but what you're left with in ocarina of time 3d at least is a pretty sparse tutorial like the it's it's the the situation in the dungeon itself that teaches you how to play which i really i like it reminds me so much we've talked about this a lot on the show especially when new horizons came out but we talk a lot about how how nintendo is very good at tutorializing without overtly tutorializing like there's yeah. no Xbox popping up telling you if you push forward and you get to the edge of a of a platform you'll just jump naturally across to the platform you don't have to press any buttons and that kind of stuff I imagine in Ocarina of Time was born out of like we don't exactly know how to add a jump button into this game because we need all the other buttons to be used for items and things like that and that has 
interestingly, like until Breath of the Wild, that was kind of just how Zelda worked forever. And I really like that sparseness. I like that intuition of like, I know that Link is just going to do the thing that I need him to do when I get him there. And you get a lot of that in in that first dungeon, specifically like some of the ways in which interactions work in ways that's like it, it, it piques the curiosity, right? So like, okay, if I'm holding this stick and I put it up to the fire, will it light on fire? Oh my God, it does. What if I bring this over to the cobwebs? Oh my God, they light on fire. It's like things that you would see come to fruition all the way in Breath of the Wild where like yeah. the physics objects and, and the world interacting with elements is like the entirety of that game. There are little glimpses of that all the way back in literally the first 3D Zelda that they put together. When you first walk in to the Deku tree, there's that big spider web mm-hmm. in the floor. And you know, like it, I feel like I can break through that eventually. And yeah. like falling from, you know... The top, yeah. The verticality on display, again, because there, there are dungeons in 2D Zeldas that use verticality, but it's like kind of hard to process because you can only see like one floor at a time, mm-hmm. usually. Yeah. Like I know there's a there's a temple in Link's Awakening where like you actually move a floor like down, like the, mm. the tower like loses a piece of it. Yes. Uh, really fascinating. But yeah, I, I uh, it's it's easy to kind of take that stuff for granted because it's, it's so, like you said, like seared in but like there's so many like innovative game design things going on not gonna like even just the floating action button like mm-hmm. a is like a is a multitude of different things in a way that works and not quite as like weird as like in red dead 2 where like buttons are multiple <laughs> things but like it's a little bit <laughs> yeah. less intuitive yeah that, that's a great observation yeah i i so i made it through that dungeon uh, and then went out into hyrule field you know i like left the kokiri forest um which i had done before but something about this playthrough specifically, I, I don't know what it is. It just feels really personal. And again, you and I have talked about this a lot since the Game Boy Advance episode, but like sitting there holding the handheld console up to your face while you're playing is like a really powerful thing. And honestly, this game looks really good in 3D as well. Yeah, um, it, 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 it works super well. I do find that in some 3DS games, there's like a ghosting that happens where like the 3D isn't totally locked in. I, I always wonder, is that the 3DS not like fully honing in on my face and my eye line and like where it's supposed to be projecting those those two discrete images. But I found it's on a game by game basis. It's like usually like the game has worse 3D than other games, um, which is interesting. And Ocarina of Time 3D is, is really good, at least for me. So I've been finding the game super immersive. And I think you're right in saying that this is probably the best way to play it, because of all of the times I've tried playing Ocarina of Time going way, way, way back to like emulating it on my shitty laptop in high school <laughs> um, and trying my best with that, like I could never get as into it as I am right now. And going into and through uh, Hyrule Field and then into Hyrule Castle uh, or like, you know, exploring that town, talking to everybody like uh, Hyrule I'm, Market is so good. I'm, I ju- love yeah, Hyrule Market, yeah. I'm just so struck by how rich that world is and how lived in it feels and how much they nailed on their first go around. I mean, I know. I know it's technically not the first go around, right? Because they've made a bunch of Zelda games up until this point, but like creating a 3D space and kind of having that very similar to Attack of the Friday Monsters, some of these like fixed angles where you get like a really good idea of how vast this place is. You know, even though you're only able to traverse a small portion of the Hyrule market, you can see it stretching on for blocks and blocks and blocks and you can see stacks of houses and like some like proto skyscrapers, like proto fantasy skyscrapers in the background. And even just what the angle is implying 
unconsciously right we're like when you're walking into the town over the bridge the camera is far up above you yeah so you look really small it's like just you and one guard and right. you have this sense of like oh i'm entering a really big place yeah even if it's not that big and then you come in and then it's a fixed camera that rotates as you walk around which like mm-hmm. kind of makes you feel like you're lost in the crowd and there's all these like yeah Whenever I'm on a crowded train, I think of Hyrule Market. I think of the couple <laughs> that are always in each other's arms going like, mm. I love you. No, I love you. Yes. And then the two guys are like, I saw, I saw, I saw Princess Zelda. And he's like, <laughs> the other guy's laughing constantly. Yeah. Um, what's really fun is like once you have context for those characters, seeing how they are interpreted in Majora's Mask, because a lot of assets were like reused mm. and all of them have kind of a weird flip to them. Oh, like, cool. uh, so, you know, it, it, Majora's Mask is weirdly like, a reflection of ocarina in a lot of ways oh interesting they did that to save time but they also did it for creative reasons as well yeah i'm really glad it's like clicking with you this time because i think it's 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 one of those games kind of like chrono trigger where like it's so heralded as like this is one of the best games of all time that like it can kind of almost lose enthusiasm for it but it really does it, it does stand apart from even it's like immediate sequels like Majora's Mask and Wind Waker each have very distinct energies to them Twilight Princess I think was the first one that really was like let's try to do Ocarina again mm-hmm. and I think that like helps and hurts that game in my opinion but Ocarina really does feel distinct on on a sort of unplaceable unnameable energy to it yeah it'll be interesting to if if they end up doing the the switch ports of of Wind Waker and Twilight Princess it'll be interesting to go from Ocarina of, or playing Ocarina of Time and then very quickly getting into Twilight Princess again because I, I I'm really excited to revisit that game but oh yeah it's, it's a great one they're all they're all wonderful honestly but, yeah, they, they are uh, they are kind of mirrors of each other in an interesting way that I, I, I would like to explore more. But at this point, I'm on the way to Death Mountain. Um, oh, OK. So you're going to meet the Gorons. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still pretty ah, early yes. on in the game. I'm like maybe two hours in at most. But I did the whole bit where like you have to sneak around the guards and go talk to Zelda. Uh, you meet Impa and Impa like is like, how the fuck did you get here? OK, I'm going to lead you out and, uh, and and sends you on your way to Death Mountain to like start your quest for real for real. And uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's like it's so it's so stunning how how successful this game is. I um, love that like, first like scene where you meet Zelda and you're looking at Ganondorf through this through the window. window. Oh, and he looks so back good. at you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she's like, why doesn't anyone think this guy's evil? Like he's, yeah. <laughs> he's walking around going like, ha ha. Yes, my plan is working. <laughs> Um, that yeah. that's a really magical scene. And then you learn Zelda's lullaby, which is like, it, you know, some actors put like, uh, they have tricks to make themselves cry on command. All I need to hear is that song. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was funny when they when they handed me the ocarina right in the beginning. I immediately played that song, like, yeah, intuitively, just because I was thinking I was just like messing around with the buttons to see what what notes you could play, and I was like, oh, I could play that one, uh, and I played it, and then I, I loved like literally thirty minutes later learning it actually, yeah. It's it's great. Uh, we're we're going to be talking about Ocarina of Time in our bonus next month in February. But I, w- <sighs> I wanted to just kind of give like a quick first impressions uh, take on it because I I am really enjoying it at the moment. I'm playing it mostly for the 3DS episode at the moment just because I feel like it counts. Oh, yeah. And, and I think uh, just, just to say, like, while we're on that topic, I think we 
I don't know if we've said this on the show yet, but our format for the 3DS episode is going to be a little bit more games of the decade E, where we're going to bring like somewhere between like we're each going to like have a list of just like a bunch of games we think are of note and that we really like and not going to put any concrete number or order to that. But like games of the decade, we're each going to bold five of those games as like our personal favorites and then settle on a five for the show. Mm-hmm. So it'll be kind of a mix of, of the two. Yeah. And I, I, I do think it counts. Um, oh, yeah, I, I would I would count it uh, for sure. I will just quickly. Uh, I'll just give another shout out to another 3DS game I played this week because I don't think it'll show up on the episode, but it is fun. Um, is Harmonite, which is another Game Freak game. Uh, oh, like, cool. Like another kind of out of the blue like experiment that Game Freak put out. It's just like a rhythm game where you play as a kid uh, like training to be what is called a Harmonite, which is a knight that defends the kingdom like via music. Oh, that's fun. It's just really cute. It's just like a level based, like make your way through rhythm game kind of experience. But it has all of these like, you know, there's a lot of platforming involved and there's a lot of uh, finding secrets in ways that you would in like a Mario or a Kirby game based on how good you are at the rhythm game. Or if you specifically like kind of subvert the rhythm a little bit and you start to build up a party with a bunch of different abilities. It's really cool. And it's another game that's like deeply, deeply, deeply on sale on the 3DS and is only available on the eShop. So uh, if you're if you're interested in rhythm games, uh, I, w- I would check that one out before. That's what I really love about the. 3ds e-store stuff is like even if i don't click with the game i just love how experimental they all are yeah like you know liberation maiden dylan's rolling western box boy like all that stuff is like i'm just glad this exists in some way yeah you know? i've been playing a lot of box boy too box, box boy is great really, box yeah. boy i think will probably show up oh um, really yeah i don't know if it will for me but i i, I am enjoying ah! it. yeah but uh Anyway, I, I had more stuff I was going to maybe talk about on this episode, but I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling like maybe we, we, we could wrap it up. I'll just I'll shout out two games real quick. Please. Um, one one that I'm playing uh, at the behest of uh, Christopher Thomas Plant. Hello. Shout out is a game called Shatter Remastered Deluxe, which is uh, <laughs> a remastered and deluxe edition of a game called Shatter, if you can believe it, which is I'm playing it on the Switch. It's also available on Steam, but it is a game that is a arcadey take on Brick Break that gets like increasingly wild. The the big thing, the big difference between regular brick break and what Shatter is trying to do is so you're moving you're moving the platform left and right kind of like you would with brick break or with pong where you're bouncing a ball back and forth between a bunch of like tiles on the screen. When you hit a tile and it explodes, it explodes into these shards that you need to collect and that's how you get points. And the way that you collect those is by using the triggers. The left trigger will inhale those shards into you and the right trigger will blow them away from you. But when you're inhaling, that also means that you're pulling the ball that you're bouncing back and forth out of its normal trajectory that it would be bouncing in normal brick break. Um, So you need to both be, it's a little bit of like a risk reward system of I need to inhale these shards so I can get points. But also by doing that, I'm making the way the ball is curving and bouncing around the around the space a little bit less predictable than it would be if you were just doing it in kind of like straight lines. And over time, the further into runs you get, because it's kind of more of like a run based system because you know it's like an arcade score chase kind of thing the further in you get the more they start to change the way the actual like level that you're playing in looks so you know they start off as just like normal brick break squares and rectangles but eventually they become spheres and like weirder shapes um so you really have like no way of knowing totally where the ball is going to bounce at any given time um and they start introducing a bunch of like cool effects and things you get like a gun and stuff like it's so <laughs> silly dude um, 
but it's I'm playing it on Switch and it's great on Switch. I know that people don't like people who liked the original are not as into the remastered deluxe edition. I don't have any affinity for that original one, so I'm just enjoying this new one yeah. a lot. Uh, as a person who had never heard of it, um, it's really, really, really fun. And the other thing I'm going to shout out is the new Marvel Snap season, which I'm just really loving. Uh, oh yeah, I haven't gotten I I held back on the battle pass this time. Yeah, uh, even though I've heard only glowing things about the the lion that awaits me Zabu, the, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's yeah jaguar i guess that's um that's what I was going to shout out. I just, I, I love Zabu. Zabu has, has been uh, really, the, the thing that I appreciate about Marvel Snap and new seasons every once in a while is that they will sometimes by introducing one new card into the meta, reveal a bunch of other cards that people thought were kind of like useless and make them more interesting again. So cards like Crossbones, for example, I won't get too into the, in, in depth on this, but like Crossbones is a card that costs four, has eight power. So that's like a huge power for cost ratio but you can only play him in lanes that you're already winning which a lot of people saw as useless for a long time but now with zabu zabu's thing they're they're the big season pass card is that it lowers the cost of all four cost cards specifically uh so now crossbones is like eight power for two and you just need to make sure you're up you know in one lane and you you get this like absolutely incredible power drop in any lane um stuff like that has been really interesting spider-man is another four cost card that like he shoots a web at the other the other uh your opponent's lane so they can't play a card there next turn and that I gets dropped down to two power also so like things like that those kinds of interactions have been really interesting and have been taking cards that people thought were like fine or like useless and making them really useful and for me i found myself digging up other cards like even outside of the ones that people in you know competitive play and like making youtube videos and stuff i've been talking about there have been cards that i've been digging up like on my own that i was like let me reevaluate this for myself and see how it feels and you know throw it in a deck for you know five to ten games and see how that feels yeah someone i really want to make work is adam warlock but i haven't found a use for him yet but i, I think you're totally right that like sometimes mm. and there are also like mechanics like you and i talked about this off the show but there are a lot of cards that are like if this is in the middle lane yeah x happens and i'm like there's not really like a card that makes that pop off yet. It was not like a, a unifying because like the, the decks are small enough. Usually you have like one or two cards that like you need to get to like execute a strategy. Mm-hmm. I made a deck recently called a I'm walking here, uh, <laughs> which is probably influenced by my month in New Jersey. Um, but uh, it's like, cause I, I had a move deck, but now I have a, like a move deck slash moving the opponent's cards. So I have like arrow mm-hmm. yeah. and kingpin. Um, and that's been a lot of fun. Cause I think sometimes the one thing, the one drawback to a smaller deck is that a lot of strategies can look similar. So like, I think once you've been playing for a while, you have to like spice up, you know, established conventions so people can't just predict exactly what you're going to do. Yeah. Like move decks, especially it's like, I'm going to play Heimdall turn six. So if I have like arrow kingpin and like, you know, other cards that are a little bit atypical, then that's a death is also in the deck, uh, which is cool. Yes. Death and just throw death in any deck because cha- I've done like a, that. I have just. Yeah. Yeah. Just in case your opponent's playing a destruction deck like, yeah, oh, cool. I get a free death. Great. There's like a one <laughs> in three chance that someone's going to be playing a destroy deck. Yeah. So you'll just be able to play death for like free. And they never see it coming if your deck is not a, is not a destruction yes. deck, which is always so fun, which goes back to like sometimes uh like you know the game is pretty good at like putting ideas in your head mm-hmm. so like you'll see synergies and then realize oh yeah like every move deck or every destroyed deck kind of has these cards yeah i think as the game is out longer and as like more cards come out that make other cards viable we'll see more different combinations yeah i will say on on the note of uh cards that you play in the middle it's usually the inhumans crystal 
is a card where if you play her in the middle, you get to, I think it shuffles. It's like a mulligan. Yeah, you, yeah. you shuffle your cards back into your deck and draw three. A lot of people have been using that with Zabu deck specifically because she's also a four cost oh. card. So she becomes a two, two. And if you don't have the play that you need, you know, to make whatever deck you've built work, um, she's good as like a mulligan card. Yeah, I like case. Crystal with, I, I have a Lockjaw deck. Lockjaw's whole thing is if you play a card yeah. in their lane, it will pull another card from your deck. Yeah. And Crystal's good with that just to make sure like you have the higher cost cards like ready to be pulled. Totally. Um, the Inhumans, man. They work together. The Inhumans. I love the Inhumans. Yeah, uh, they're fun. Yeah. Anyway, that's our Marvel Snap <laughs> update. By accident. I will say that one of the things about Marvel Snap that that is getting a little bit worrying for me is some of the like series four and five cards that they've been releasing are like wild and there's like no way to get them. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're, they cost what it was like 6,000 collector's tokens or something, which is like I'm never going to save up 6,000 collector's tokens. And so yeah. You just need to like luck into them in the in the collector rank upgrade thing, which is like also I, I did get one completely by accident um which was really nice uh but i mean the next time that's gonna happen is i don't even know when so like null is a card that i would love to get at some point in my life i love null very cool card i think cost six his power is set to the collective power of every card that was destroyed in that game that's like a bizarre and (laughs) wild thing to have um yeah i don't know i'm never gonna get null I feel like yeah, the the collector token stuff felt like one step forward, two steps back in some ways, mm. and that combined with the bundle prices, it ha- it has made me like less wanting to like spend a lot of time with that game. To be honest, like, yeah. I still like it a lot. I still play it, but like I, I think it's you know, there's always been that kind of lingering. Like, can I just like blanket recommend this game? And and that holds me back. But it's yeah. still a lot of fun. It's 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 a good time. Yeah, where I'm at at the moment with Marvel Snap, I I haven't I haven't like bought any of the bundles or anything outside of like the welcome one they did like right when the game. Yeah, me too. That was like two dollars. Yeah, for the Captain America stuff. Um, but I have been buying the season passes specifically just because I really like I I find that they're really smart about the new card that they add to the season pass every month because that card will always, always, as far as I can tell so far, will always like create entire new archetypes of kinds of decks that you can you can build. So like Zabu single handedly has like changed the meta in a really significant way. Um, that's been really exciting. So I feel pretty good about that kind of stuff. But I honestly, one of the things that I always think about is like, this is, you know, second dinner, the, the team that's making this game knows and wants this to be like a long haul kind of experience, right? They want Marvel Snap to be around for a long time. So I just consider like, we're pretty early in this game existing. Oh, yeah. It hasn't even been out for a year. It's going to get better. You know, they're, they're going to, yeah. they're going to take a lot of feedback and, and fix some stuff. They're already working on fixing some stuff. I actually, I think like this week or something, they said there's going to be a, a balance update um that's coming and they also said i think towards the end of the month or something they're releasing the the battle mode with friends also like they're gonna have like the ability to add a friends list and like start to go up against your friends which is like duel i can't wait to duel i can't wait to duel it's gonna be really fun like legitimately i'm like that's that's something i've been waiting for for a long time um and i I think that's gonna be really exciting um so it just seems like that game is is kind of on the ups you know even though there are some more troubling aspects in the way it's being monetized i think i think yeah i think think they're coming around and, and and building out instead of building down if that makes sense yeah i i agree for sure i'm very excited for the for the non-competitive mode as well so that's like it's hard to test out new decks like you're gonna go down and rank you know like so i think having a sort of like you know an area where you can just practice without worrying about cubes yeah uh, is a good addition yeah i would even love just a way to like compete against the ai because it's clear the ai is like 
competent sometimes you know like yeah. they, they've built they've built bots that are like okay and play like some meta decks and stuff which is kind of helpful like if you're going up against somebody who's doing like the patriot onslaught thing or whatever um, agatha mode yeah yeah play against agatha i would like i would like like no joke i would like to be able to say like i want to play against a, a a bot playing this deck or something uh because like you said i mean sometimes you build a deck and it's like i just need to swap out one card and play like five to ten games with that deck with that one card in it and see how much that changes things and see if that helps yeah i don't know totally wild and that's our marvel snap update <laughs> amazing yeah I'm, I'm excited to see you know just what new cards they add it's always fun to see mm. anything else you got on your on your sort of amuse bouche of of games no no that's it for me this week shout out to casper mattresses <laughs> shout out to tumblr.com uh, shout out to tumblr and casper yes shout out to uh aonuma out there making a new zelda game for all of us uh, i'm really very excited to talk to you more about uh ocarina time i actually had to hold myself back so like, oh yeah we are, we are doing a bonus about that yeah i think Which i think probably, it's really fun um I, I already feel like i have a lot to a lot to touch on but those those that like opening two hours i was really blown away by yeah the whole childhood sequence of that game uh is is really magical that's usually when i replay it i usually just do that and then mm. i kind of not, not I, the adult link stuff is great but usually like if i want just a quick hit i like play through all three of the dungeons and then i'm like cool that's yeah. nice that's nice that's nice honey yeah um well, I think we should wrap up then. Just uh, to shout out that Tumblr again, it's uh, itanewleaf.tumblr.com. That link is in the show notes uh, if you want to take part in that and play Animal Crossing New Leaf along with us, which would be really fun. I'd recommend it, especially this time of year. If you also get seasonal depression like I do, I think having, like we all learned in 2020, yeah. March, when New Horizons came out, having Animal Crossing as like just a helpful reminder of like what positive rituals can do yeah to help one's mental health it really it really has helped me in this time so i, I we couldn't have chosen a better january game yeah i will yeah. also uh for those of you playing new leaf if you don't know the ins and outs of new leaf i'll say two things very quickly number one on on discord we have an active new leaf channel which is really fun uh you, thread yeah yeah you, you can you can find the link to that in the announcements channel um if you're having a hard time finding that but there's a bunch of people in there who are playing new leaf actively to get the final nook shop upgrade you do need to visit a friend's island and shop in their nook store so just a heads up there if you if you want to get that final upgrade number two uh if you go to tortimer's island while the sun is setting that's between 6 and 8 p.m that's when all the beetles are out and you can make a shitload of money so oh, those, those are two little ways of jump starting uh your experience on new leaf because i will say when i saw the price of of setting up a new bridge from lloyd I did feel the full wave of my depression come back. So I'm glad that there are mm -hmm. there are faster ways to make a buck than selling the three foreign fruit trees I've planted outside my house. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, also, if you mail fruit to your own villagers, they will sometimes mail back a foreign fruit. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. What's your what's your town's fruit? We'll talk about this more in a bit. But yeah, what's mine, mine was cherries and now it's everything. <laughs> Mine is pears, yeah. so we, we got to swap one day. Yeah, uh, cool. I'll, I'll just I'll just mail you everything. We'll just add each other on 3ds, and I'll just mail you all the fruits. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah. I can't wait to get durians in the mail. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, and Tortimer's Island also is how you get coconuts, so you can start planting those on on your on your island as well, uh, which is nice. Uh, Amazing. Anyway, that's 
New Leaf. Also, uh, thank you to everybody who followed the new Mastodon account, which is really wild. Uh, I saw a lot of people really excited about that. Um, that was pretty cool. That's the aether.space if you want to go check that out. Um, that's where I'm at. That's where AJ's at. That's where the show is at. Um, I will be there one day once I... Once I log in, we have that and we have Tumblr. Uh, those are kind of our homes for things, but all of those links are available at into the online alongside the Patreon. If you want to back that and the link to the discord, which as we always say is very active and very cool. Um, it's a great place. One thing we haven't said in a while and we're all the way at the end of the episode. So maybe it would have been better to put this earlier, but we haven't said this in a while. <laughs> a lot of people still leaving Apple podcast reviews and very positive. Uh, that's, yes. That's the you. thing that still exists. And I feel like we haven't mentioned in like months, but uh, thank you to everybody who's been doing that. We do read those. It's very cool. Um, if you want to do that, it would help a lot it helps a lot with um just like sharing the show which uh also just share the show with a friend that's that's how we do all of our marketing is all word of mouth uh, yeah so if you uh if you like the show and you think that somebody else in your life would like it share it with them that'd be helpful i think also yeah even though it is an intimidating length i think the goatee episode is probably a good one to start with if you need like you know what how, what do i start with yeah. maybe not cats maybe goatee 2022 is the way to go yeah um, it's an on-ramp for a lot heart. of people which is yeah. nice cool sick on that note, uh, thank you so much for listening. My name is Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger and Stephen Hilger Art. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me at brendanbigley.com. Have a wonderful beginning to your new year. Goodbye. Bye-bye. TWG, the worst garbage, the online.